Okay, well, we've got through that. Let's let's quickly let's quickly uh, get through some of this football. Oh, there's so much to talk about in football. But uh, the number one headline that I really want to talk about (laughs) the number one thing I want to talk about in football right now is uh, University of Tennessee's new interim head coach is Brady Hoke. Oh my God! Thank you so much for this being number one on your identity. Yes, I cannot <laughs> tell you. Okay, as oh my God, as the Michigan person who who understood Brady Hoke when he was trying to do what he was trying to do at Michigan, and him going to Tennessee when I saw yep. that headline. Hey, I tried to defend him for a year too. Oh my fan. God. Right there with you. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. That's a that's an interesting choice. I mean, he uh bombed at Michigan and <laughs> then he went and became a defensive coordinator for the Ducks. And I will I was the I was totally on board for him coming to the Oregon as a defensive coordinator because it's like, oh yeah, when he was in Michigan, his offense was always abysmal, but he always had a good defense. And uh, then the Ducks had literally the worst year they've had since 1984. And uh, now he has a head coaching job at Tennessee. He has a head coaching job at Tennessee. I mean, so it's <clears throat> for first of all, I, I just want to reference that when I Googled Brady Hoke just now uh, for the sake of looking up his stats while he was at Michigan as head coach. I know you're heading. I'm excited. Go ahead. <laughs> it came, the first thing that came up was Tennessee Vols interim head coach Brady Hoke to wear headsets yep. in change from Michigan routine, which we can go into the whole Jim Harbaugh having his wired headset and his one poor plebeian student assistant who chases him around with the coiled headset, which I'm sure that kid's not going to graduate for another seven years. <laughs> but <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is going to personally sabotage that kid's grade just so that way he has to stay Jim Harbaugh's like you coiled too well you're not allowed to fail your advanced mathematics studies <laughs> you're staying um, here you're staying here forever but <laughs> the fact that A that's the number one number two actually the top two stories whenever I just google Brady Hoke um really says a lot for how Tennessee is going to finish out this season. That's an interesting decision, Tennessee. I mean, you could have gone for Chip Kelly. Would have been a fantastic fit. No, not, not going to do that. You could have gone You could have gone for any number of uh, former coaches. Hell, you could have picked up Larry Coker, and I've been oh like, God. at least that's a better decision. There's... He's uh, got a national title. might be unemployed soon. 
my shoulders carry a lot of names. Well, and the thing was, so I mean, everybody kind of saw Butch Jones on his way out the door <laughs> at the end of last year. And again, like you can get into Tennessee being SEC and you're going to have people calling for his firing all the time. But like when he actually got like he got fired, you go through the exact same template of like insert possible head coach. And he and his spouse are looking for house in insert city. Mm -hmm. Uh, SB nation actually had a really funny one about like, here's a template of head coach searching that you can just insert. Like it's like a Mad Lib style thing. Um, but just like, wh- why Brady Hoke? I don't know. Like any any terrible decision they could have made would have been better than Brady Hoke. They could they could have gotten Jimmy McElwain. That'd have been a better decision. They could have rehired uh, Lane Kiffin, and I would still be pissing myself <laughs> laughing. But it would still be better than Brady Hoke. Like if you told me like those were the two finalists or three finalists, and you're like, well, at least uh, at least they didn't get Brady Hoke. Well, who who else was even in that actual conversation? Because even John Gruden was in that fucking conversation about. I'm sitting here, and he's like, John Gruden was in the conversation because his wife Cindy is a former Tennessee cheerleader. Yeah, you know, it was an interesting one <clears throat> in that com- conversation because uh, Mike Gundy was in that, and I don't Mike really Gundy know why. In every single conversation, Christ. But yeah, here here are the top ten. Uh, people that were on the list, I guess. It was David Cutcliffe, Mike Gundy, Jeff Brome, John Gruden, Dan Mullen, Scott Frost, Mike Norville, Matt Campbell, oh Jeff Fisher, Brady Hope. Oh, come Sorry. on, Jeff Fisher. No, I, <laughs> Scott Frost or Mike Norville would have been perfect fits for where that offense is right now and where they're looking to go. Those are two incredible... I mean, obviously, I love Scott Frost. But even Mike Novell, yeah, we all know that. But come on, like Brady, I'm so sorry. Like he was so very out of left field. I'm. Can Can I ask why Peyton Manning wasn't on that list? Because he's going to go work for the Browns. That's <laughs> such a dumb idea. Peyton Manning yeah. is <clears throat> truly going to be a front office man. Peyton Manning yep. should be the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. No, I, think, I, I don't think they're trusting Manning enough yet to be a head coach. They're, they'll want not? him to be an OC or a DC first. But what's, just, okay. just because you can play quarterback doesn't mean you can lead an entire offense, defense, and control a locker room. Uh, yeah, all, all drafting, scouting, like all that kind of shit. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than just do you know football. If I'm trusting Sean McVay, I'm trusting Peyton Manning. <laughs> Well, granted, granted, granted McVay. Sean McVay is doing a great job, but I'm saying yeah. prior to this year, if I'm trusting Sean McVay, I'm trusting Peyton Manning. I don't really know about <laughs> that. I mean, I feel like Peyton Manning is one of those kind of <laughs> enigmas. Well, not really enigma. And that, like, also, sorry. No, you're fine. He's smart for what he did. He's smart as a quarterback. He that's why he was so successful. That's like seeing Tom Brady go into head coaching within four years of his retirement. Like. Yeah. Tom Brady would actually not be a very good head coach. He would be a great OC. I think he would be even okay. Like, you know, and he, Tom Brady is going to be a great front office guy as well. Like, there's such a distinction between being able to go into a locker room, be that guy. See, I think Tom and, Brady's going to be a or, great actor. Or girl. Oh, my God. 
Tom Brady. He's going to well, go into the, acting. Go, go, going back real quick, with comparison to Sean McVay, the reason why you trust Sean McVay over Peyton Manning is Sean McVay has been coaching since 2008. He's like He's been doing that for nine years now. That's Whereas That's Peyton Manning hasn't done any coaching ever. Yep. Nope. Well, and for You're me, right like, <clears throat> a big part of it, too, I mean, and I'm not saying that Peyton doesn't, you know, invest himself in the careers of other people or anything like that. But I feel like Sean McVay, when he got into coaching, that's because he saw what coaches could do for other people and he wanted to mimic that and he really wanted to, like, emulate that for other football players. Mm-hmm. Whereas Peyton, like, and again, I'm not saying that Peyton is, you know, not that kind of guy. He's a really great philanthropist, as we saw with his purchasing of so many Papa John's franchises. <laughs> um, but I just, I really feel like Peyton Manning, he's much more of like a foundation work, a community work guy. He wants to really give back to like the homegrown communities mm. versus like Sean McVay. Mm. Like he really gets what it means to be a coach and to have that influence and to be that motivator. Yeah. Well, he grew up in that too. Like uh, his, yeah. Sean McVay, his grandfather was uh, the 49ers general manager through five Super Bowls, I think, mm-hmm. something wow. like that. So yep, I mean, like yep. he's raised in that kind of environment. And his dad, I don't think his dad was a coach, but his dad played football. So like, you know, it's been in his lineage forever. Yeah. I mean, and that's where, um, if Tom Brady doesn't go into acting, which Lord have mercy. Yeah. Tom Brady was in acting, right? He was already in all the Mission Impossible movies. He just made that uh, Mummy reboot. That's Tom Brady, isn't it? No, that's Tom Brady minus a foot. (laughs) (laughs) That's Tom Brady converting over to... um... Yes, Scientology. There we go. Thank you. (laughs) Gotta release your thetans. You gotta deflate your thetans. Um, but yeah, Brady, Brady Hoke. I mean, I mean, he's he's a defensive guy. He's always been a defensive guy, and yeah. for him to be inserted on a Tennessee team that Butch has recruited pretty well on an offensive line, and you're going into that caliber of competition with the SEC in a very power-heavy offense. I mean, I, I can't even name who Tennessee is going to be playing for the rest of the season. Let's see. I hope that uh, his coaching staff that he implements is uh, offensive coordinator Chip Kelly and defensive coordinator Jim McElwain. <laughs> Just the entire leftovers of coaching. Well, on the bright side, they only have to play LSU and Vanderbilt. <laughs> Well, rest they have to play LSU, but yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're coming into it in your first weekend as a Tennessee head coach and your opponent is LSU, Brady Hoke's going to have a lot of leeway <laughs> to just fuck everything up this weekend. Yeah, I think it's funny that that, that game is going to be uh, head coach Brady Hoke versus head coach Ed Orgeron. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Like, two names that you just are like, oh, yeah, those guys should just fucking fall out. They're Who done. is going to be the splotchiest head coach? Like, <laughs> they both are just very, like, they yeah. just, I feel like the way that the blush rises in their faces, they're both very splotchy when they yell. So, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, 
in addition to Brady Hoke, what else happened this past week? Oh, so much happened. The CFP rankings all got sh- nice and shook up after the first week out. And I am enraged. Uh, yeah, Auburn. I'm absolutely routing. enraged with these rankings. You're enraged. I'm enraged with these rankings. Why are you enraged? Because I want to see a college football playoff with UCF. It's not out of the question. They're number uh, fifteen. Yeah, yeah, but they also they have one so much decent disrespect. win so far. So much well, disrespect. You, sure, if you look at just if you don't look at their, what they've done, Nine I mean, Nine sure, sure they. Uh, okay, against who? <laughs> I don't care. They're nine and zero. They beat Maryland. They beat FIU. They beat Maine. They beat Cincinnati. They beat Eastern Carolina. They beat Navy. They beat Austin P. SMU, Connecticut, and their signature win, which I think is a very nice signature win, is they beat Memphis. Memphis is a good win. Memphis is a great win. Okay, but you have to look at the teams. That's what the CFP is. That's the whole point of the CFP, is that they look at the body of work and who they've taken on and what they've done and how does that stack up against everything else. But I still think that they have a shot at the uh, at the playoff because on their docket now they have South Florida, which is another very impressive team this year, um, eight and one. Yep. So if they win that, I and they have to beat Temple. No, no disrespect to Temple. Um, they win that. I mean, I think they have a decent shot, and then the AAC championship, I guess. I'm just saying, but I don't look, know how that works. Looking at these, looking at these rankings, they should be 11 right now. They're 15, well, they should think, be 11. I think what you said, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is how far Georgia dropped. Like, I yeah, get Wisconsin being above them. <clears throat> I get Miami being above them. And I, 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 you can make the case for Clemson and Oklahoma. I think the biggest thing was, like, Auburn being above Georgia, which, well, obviously, Auburn beat Georgia, and that's totally, you know, yeah. you, you can make the justification for it. but. I think it comes back to like UCF totally has that outside shot and I'm so bummed that they have the outside shot because just saying the fact that they have the outside shot means that they're not going to get it. And yeah, because if you're looking at, there is a two loss Auburn team that just knocked off Georgia and is already ranked six over Georgia's seven. Yeah. Like yeah. it does and this is the hardest thing. It doesn't matter if UCF even beats USF. It doesn't matter if UCF comes out and fin- like finishes the whole season undefeated. If you're putting a two-loss Auburn at 6 and you're putting an undefeated UCF at 15 and they're still supposedly rising in the ranks but they're below Washington State, Oklahoma State, TCU, USC which this we were talking saying. about last they week. They should SC be 11. They well, don't forget also. That I don't know about if they should be eleven. I, but I put them above Washington State. I put them above Oklahoma State. I got them above TCU, and I got them above USC. I, I well, don't I, forget I, they also had the top, six of those top teams. Uh, six of those top twenty. Oh no, seven, eight of those top twenty-five teams are still going to play each other. Oh, uh, absolutely. Alabama's going to play Georgia, or Alabama's going to play Auburn, and probably going to play Georgia. Yeah. Uh, or, or Auburn will play Georgia. Because Georgia already won the East. Notre Dame is going to play against uh, Stanford, who's also in the top 25. Washington's going to play Washington State. 
USC is likely going to play either Washington, Washington State, or Stanford. Well, they're definitely going to play one of those one of those teams. Whoever uh, also, Miami, Miami Clemson. Clemson. Yes, yep. exactly. Miami Clemson is shaping up to be such a huge fucking matchup for this year, and that's going to be incredible. But yes, oh, you have that turmoil, and you also, have all um, that happening in the top ten. But because all that is happening in the top 10, UCF really does not even stand an outside chance. Like, that's the one thing that's so frustrating I can totally see as, like, a football fan is, like, you see this team that's really great and they have this incredibly powerful offense and they have this coach who really fucking gets it. Yeah. But it's because of strength of schedule. And it's because of conference and alignment. And yeah, their strength of schedule right now is ranked at 99th by the CFP. Exactly. So when you see, like, it's so hard to acknowledge that, yes, UCF is so much better than, like, your, even, I mean, you can even debate better than Notre Dame or Ohio State. You could put them in that top eight. But even then, when so much is happening amongst that top eight, top ten, you're just like, how? I mean, they set this up this way. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, 100%. I think what you, what, you know, what they said about, they, we, this isn't the first time that something like this has happened already in the CFP, because the same thing was happening when Houston was going on their big run. And at that time, you know, even what people were saying was, look, this is what's going to happen. You're not going to have to have a perfect season to get in. You're going to have to have pretty much two perfect seasons for a G5 to get in just because yes. you have to prove that this isn't fluke. And yeah. even though you are beating up on nobodies, you're doing it very consistently. And yes, they're doing it consistently right now, but they have one win over Memphis, which well, and that is a goes, good team. But, yeah. And that goes back to if Scott doesn't get recruited by any other teams. I mean, that's what makes it so hard for a G5 team to have consistent, you know, not only two season, but three, four season production levels is that these coaches will get lured away to a power five team and they will join a team because they take a G5 team, they turn it around in one season they get them on the national level and then they're able to accept like a multi-million dollar contract. There's no incentive for these G5 coaches to be staying where they're at. No, absolutely. I mean, look at, uh, what was it? You know, Temple was making moves. They have some big names. They're starting to get a lot of recognition. And then Matt Rule gets an offer to go to Baylor and he takes it. And now Temple is nobody. And Baylor has one win. Yeah, 100%. And that's what makes this whole you can get back into the coaching carousel and how insane everybody goes the second that a you know g5 coach gets pulled up to power five or the second that a brady hoke gets hired as a head coach at tennessee i mean these schools are being pressured to make what's the sexiest head coaching decision ever and in that's where college is so fucking different from nfl and like we talked about this a couple weeks ago whereas like the nfl you have very intellectual, very smart coaches who are paying attention to trends in college football, who are able to adjust those offenses, who are able to maturely step out when they see that they are not, you know, skilled in that level of recruiting, that they, you know, 
it, it's entirely different on that level. Whereas college, it's just a fucking mayhem. And you can do so well one year and then tank the next four years and still be part of a national conversation and still be a candidate for a head coach at a very decent, very middle-of-the-road Power 5 school. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think all of this is actually the biggest and the best argument for why the playoff needs to be expanded. Uh, yes. Because yes. then if, if you're going to an eight, like just eight teams, it doesn't even have to be more than that. At eight teams, you really are giving, you know, especially the G5 a chance. You're letting uh, all these like questionable, because every year there's always these fringe ones where you're like, I don't know about that. I think that they probably should have got in. But like, if you're the number nine team, no one's like, oh yeah, they have a legitimate ex- or le- legitimate reason why they should be going for the number one title. It's like, no, you were number nine for a reason, you know. Notre Dame is nine right now. No, sorry, Ohio State's no- number nine right now, and they just they lost to Oklahoma and to Iowa. I wouldn't be mad if they didn't make the playoff. If they, if these were our final rankings, I wouldn't be upset. They're like, oh yeah, well you know Iowa. It isn't good, and they yeah. should feel bad about that. Well, I, but with I, Wisconsin right now, if we, if they put it out right now with the CFP four teams right. and Wisconsin didn't get in, I'd be like, oh my god, fuck that. You're going to tell me that yep. Clemson yep. lost to Syracuse gets <clears> to go in over Wisconsin? You're out of your goddamn minds. That's the other gripe I have with these rankings is the fact that they're still sleeping on Wisconsin. Yep. Again, it comes down to the strength of schedule. Ranked 67 yeah, well, and- overall. Well, now is the hard thing. I mean, the Big Ten was trending very positively up until like week eight and nine, mm-hmm. where you had Michigan completely tank. Ohio State and Penn State are your next top Big Ten teams that are ranked, and they both have two losses. Like, Ohio State really did not have, they had okay performances, but they lost. And yeah. that's where you get into okay, is strength of schedule really that decent of a measure because yes Ohio State lost and it came into the L column but they had an okay showing I mean obviously Iowa game was not an okay showing but the Penn State game was a decent showing yeah Um, well they won the Penn Penn State still 10 yeah well Penn State still 10 Ohio State still 9 but you you have them over UCF just speaking of the, the, the them ranking strength of schedules and all that uh apparently 32 uh, spots of strength of schedule is the difference between being the number five team and being the number 15 team. Both of them are undefeated. One of them has a strength of schedule of 67. One of them has one of 99. And apparently that is worth 10 whole spots. That's just a problem. Yeah. That, I mean, like, I, I totally agree that UCF is criminally underranked. UCF should be 11. If you want to argue, if you want to argue that, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame should be over UCF. I don't have a whole lot of argument against it. I, I still would I would have put UCF at eight, personally. But they should be at least eleventh. So I am I am looking to see what the discrepancies are between the coaches poll and the CFP poll. The coaches poll actually has Miami above Wisconsin, or not sorry, above Wisconsin, above Clemson. Coaches poll has UCF at 12. Yeah, it has Wisconsin above Oklahoma. Um, Auburn is the same. George is the same. Uh, Ohio State's above Notre Dame. 
USC is one above Penn State. And then UCF is at 12 in the coaches poll ranking, like Jay said. Whereas the uh, CFP rankings have TCU or USC, then TCU, then Oklahoma State, then Washington State, and then UCF at 15. So, I mean, that's an interesting distinction, just looking at how when it comes to the coaches, they yeah. still rank them below a two-loss Penn State, uh, the top contender for the Pac-12 USC. Um, so you're obviously weighing probably the strength of the conference there. Um, Notre Dame, which is understandable despite their complete blowout against Miami. Um but it's interesting that even those three spots definitely makes a difference, I feel like, in the coaches' poll versus versus where they're at at 15 in the CFP rankings. So yeah. yeah. But one thing that they haven't made clear, which is what it, what it absolutely should be, is, is that uh, UCF, if they win out, should logically, at this point, make it in to the playoff. But it's so it's still so obscured that it's hard to like agree with anything that they have. Like if 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 you had them at eleven, like you said, and you you know then I'd be like, yeah, if they win out and they're at eleven right now, I can totally see them making it up there because they'll take on USF and that'll be enough to push them up. Yep. But yeah, fifteens. This this is part of the issue that I'm ha- that I'm I'm having with it is like. For for me, like the the fact that these these four teams above them are, you know, have have shown some of the weaknesses that they have, um, and that UCF is sitting in a spot where they really need. They need to be given some level of respect to even have an opportunity to compete in this top four, um, yeah. and and if they win out if they go on an undefeated season and they aren't given an opportunity to even compete against other teams that haven't, that haven't done that same thing. Like you look at the, I understand that Clemson is probably a better team than UCF, but if Clemson ends the season with a Syracuse loss and UCF is completely undefeated, I just, I, I have, I have a problem with that. That's where you're gonna. I mean, I have that's a such a big if. And if that does happen, you are gonna be a hundred percent correct because that's where a lot of people are gonna have an issue with it. Yeah. But, well, but then, but then the problem if. that arises from that though is, yeah, Clemson will have that Syracuse loss looming over them, but they'll also have a fresh Miami win looming over them because that's gonna be uh, one of their big wins right there. So it's like. I agree, but at the same time, UCF doesn't have those uh, pl- those teams. So what you have to do as a G5 is you have to schedule somebody great or someone at least decent outside of your conference. And they scheduled Georgia Tech, which unfortunately got canceled. And yeah. they scheduled yeah. Maryland. Um, oh, well, and-, and the thing that's so crazy, and I... Okay, we're going to get into probably the whole paid-for-athletes or paying your athletes no. very quickly nope, after nope. this. Wait for, next, wait for next week. Wait for next week. <laughs> or this I know, weekend I know, but it really ties in because, <clears throat> because this is where that bias comes into play in that you're – so 
when you're scheduling a team, you're not just saying, you're not just calling up the other coach and being like, yo, what up, Scott Frost? Like, I want to play your team. Let's make this happen. You are buying into a television contract, most mm-hmm. likely. You are buying into, you know, whatever the cost is to own, an, or not to own, to operate the stadium for that weekend. You are forking over a certain number of dollars, a certain number of monies that you have to invest into this matchup. That's why most of these matchups are, you know, you do a home and away. That's why you, you know, create some sort of a trade off program because that's, you know, proper, whatever sales, marketing, advertising, et cetera. Um, you're investing a lot of money into this game. And a lot of these G5 schools schedule these games and schedule these a acknowledging that they're probably going to take a loss, but B knowing that it's going to get them national recognition. And you have these teams dumping so much money into these games because they truly have this narrative of we need to play a team that's in a power five conference. We need to schedule better. We need to dump a shit ton of money into getting our student athletes to travel a ridiculous amount of miles to get on a plane at a ridiculous hour to change their schedules just so they play this one team. They have a chance at being accredited to even be considered to be against a certain bias that they might possibly have an outside chance at a college football playoff spot. Yeah. And with the recruiting dollars that all of these power five schools get with the television contracts that they have made. I mean, that's why Maction, we laugh at it. We're like, Oh, it's Maction, but it's a fucking genius marketing ploy because yep. it gets them some level oh, of national notoriety. Yep. But at the same time, you have these teams who are competing for this because they have bought into it's like okay, I told you guys the whole thing about how Facebook publishers are being convinced that they need to spend money on advertising through Facebook's platform in order to reach a wider audience and get those messages all the time about like, oh, if you spend twenty dollars on boosting this post, yep. it'll help you reach ten thousand more. It's exactly that same fucking marketing strategy. It's oh, if you spend you know, $250,000 on your team to get to this particular venue and play this power five opponent, it's going to increase your value and you're possibly going to get the chance to go into this college football playoff opportunity when realistically you're competing with so many other G5 and even lower level opponents. And it is very frustrating, and that's where I'm going to get off my soapbox because otherwise I'm going to go on for another 20 minutes about this. Oh, we'll, well, you know, we'll go on you know for another 20 minutes on it on this weekend. You know, you know who ruined this all for G5 teams, though? It's, uh, as much as I, it pains me to say it, University of Hawaii, right? Because oh University God, yes. of Hawaii in 2008 uh, went undefeated with based Colt Brennan. Shout out to my boy. <laughs> um, you know, they went undefeated and, you know, there's all this talk like, oh, do they deserve to get into the title? Eventually they get into the Sugar Bowl uh, yeah. and they get fucking routed by uh, Georgia. Just destroyed. Yes. Cole Brennan's last interview as a football player at, or as a collegiate football player had him saying, gee, I really didn't want it to end that way. 
that's almost in a direct quote. You can oh, look it up. <laughs> like, actually, that is probably his last interview as a football player, too. After I was going to say, I'd never heard of him in the pros. Uh, he kept getting into car accidents, <laughs> and now he's a quarterback coach in Kahuku. Oh. Yep. They Go are, Red Raiders. He lives in Hawaii, but, so I don't feel bad for him. Yeah, well, he should have been an NFL star, but he couldn't uh, figure out how to not drive while drunk. Ah, it's, <laughs> it's a difficult thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So now he's a quarterback coach for a high school in the middle of nowhere in Hawaii. If he could have Granted, just been born like five years later when we actually had Uber. <laughs> yeah. Granted, though, Kahuku is the best uh, high school football team in all of Hawaii, but still. Yeah. He's their quarterback coach. Let's just go a, a hard transition into what you guys are excited for this weekend. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before, before we do, Stanford yeah. beat Washington. Fuck yeah. Oh, Suck yeah. It. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, right. it, it needed to be pointed out. Yep. <laughs> Bryce um, Love. Bryce fucking Love. So Bryce I'm going to start it love. off just right away. I am excited for tomorrow. I'm, I'm very excited for Steelers and Titans. I hate that it's on a Thursday night, um, but I'm quite excited to uh, to watch this game. I have no idea how it's going to go, just because the <laughs> Titans have or, Titans are on a four game win streak. They've been completely unpredictable as far as I can tell in terms of how they're going to perform against who. The Steelers are not a team that I have been willing to bet on this year. Um, so I'm, I'm putting no money on it and I'm just going into the game and just hoping that they win and they don't pull a Josh Scobie, <laughs> but I'm really excited for the game. <laughs> I'm really excited uh, to see, uh, Marcus Mariota and DeMarco Murray <clears throat> slash Steelers defense, but at the same you. time I have the Steelers defense, but you know, I, I whatever. Hate you. I hate you. <laughs> so much love. I can't believe how strong DeMarco Murray came out last uh, last week because he's had kind of a iffy, I'd say, season. He keeps, and then all of a sudden, He, he keeps dropping off just enough for people to be like, yo, De- you know, it's time for them to put in, you know, the changing of the guard, and then and then he pops out with just enough. But, but at the same time, you know, Derrick Henry's keeping, um, keeping pace from him, with him from what I had seen. I, I don't know if uh, – it's well, amazing. yeah, and that's what they said at the beginning of the season, too. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, uh, they're pretty much even, but we're going to start DeMarco Murray, which right. I kind of thought was a good decision, you know, because you're, you're basically saving uh, your young running back behind a seasoned veteran. You yeah. get as much out of DeMarco as you can, and then you put in the new guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Derrick Henry's averaging 4.4 yards a carry on the season. with He has three touchdowns. Yeah, so, I mean, playing solid. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say for me, um, which it's kind of hard to admit, but I'm kind of excited for the Bengals-Broncos game because not only being a Broncos person, but two really staunch defenses. They're both 3-6. and six. Wait, are I we still like considering the Broncos a stout defense? Well, yeah, defensively, they're okay. They're actually really still did, solid on defense. Did you watch the last two Offensively, we're weeks, a fucking or? shit show. Did you watch the you last... Watched. Two weeks. I watched like final quarter of the past two weeks. Did you possibly see the score of the last two weeks? Well, the Patriots don't count. Uh, yeah, the Eagles were worse. 
Really? Yeah, much like worse. Like 51. Well, in that case, just edit all of that out because but, I don't pay any attention to NFL I, anymore. I just Bron- I understand Bron- that you like the Broncos. I, just, I, I can't have anybody hearing you say that the Broncos defense looks good at all. It's it's. All right. Thanks. You're going to get well, you're going to get committed. I'm still I'm still. I don't, in I don't think that that's fair, though, because it's not on the defense. It's on the offense. No, you it's 100 percent on our offense at this point. Yeah. You put the uh, you put the defense out there for as much time as the offense ends up putting out putting them out there for yeah they're going to give up plays because you can only stay healthy and active for so long you can't tell me that they're a bad defense when they have Akeem Tlaib and Von Miller out there like yeah they let up well, they let up exactly off points but that's down to, honestly like that's why time of possession is so important. mediocre offenses not even mediocre you have two pretty shitty offenses against what you're expecting to be two okay defenses and two, honestly, not that great performing teams. It's going to be a weird game. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, okay, as a Broncos fan and understanding what I'm getting myself into here and seeing how much we've been under, that's going to be weird. Um, other than that, I mean, Falcon Seahawks is going to be okay. Uh, God, I'm just looking at this lineup. I'm so not nearly well as versed in NFL as I could <laughs> college. But, um, but just just looking more at the sorry at the Broncos, I, I, the parallel I want to I want to draw here is uh, the when Oregon was doing all their Oregon stuff with Marcus Mariota and all that. What was happening was yeah they're giving up a lot of points and at a base level you can just be like oh they're giving up a lot of points they're a bad defense, but really they were just out there so much because the Oregon offense was averaging under a minute of possession each time and scoring every time. So, you know, their defense is out there most of the game. They don't, when, when you're out there that much, it comes down to how long can you stay conditioned and how much you can, you can only do so much, you know? Yeah. You can this only if I remember correctly, that far. was part of the problem with Chip Kelly's offense translating yeah. to the Eagles was, you had you had defensive players complaining about the fact that like well we're just we're not made to be on the field this much. Absolutely, and you know the condi- you'd have to be so much more conditioned because like at a college level you're playing against college athletes, but when you get to a pro level they they're bigger, stronger, faster, better, just on the whole. So you have to match that kind of uh, physicality. So well, and that's why I'm saying, like, when you're going up against a team like the Bengals, where, again, you're not really relying heavily on your... Bengals' defense has been used to being out there for very long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be a very interesting way to kick off Sunday. Yeah. But... I'll tell you the game I'm actually really curious about um, is actually the Bills-Chargers game. And not because I think that those match up too well or anything like that, but I just want to see what what the Bills are going to look like without Tyrod Taylor starting. That's such a weird move. Nathan was... Peterman. Oh, I know, right? I Where, thought the... was... Where did he go? Again, I have no idea. Jay, what, what college did he go to? <laughs> oh, he went to Pitt. That's good. Okay. That's good. He looks like he went to Pitt. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like the, uh, what is those commercials? He went to Jared. <laughs> he went to pit. He went to pit. <laughs> it's funny. They don't do those commercials uh, now that Jared Vogel uh, had his thing. Oh, he didn't only go to pit. 
that's yes. that's not what they were referring to with those commercials, Jay. Yeah, I know. But have you since <laughs> that scandal broke? Have you seen any? He went to Jared commercials. I haven't. Uh, I watch commercials religiously. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you guys, I would like to. You guys file. watch TV shows? I watch commercials. They're my crack. I love that. <laughs> I'm thinking of making my own YouTube channel where I just critique commercials. I think that would be fucking glorious. It's actually not a bad idea. Right? Thank you. Yeah, now that we've put it in a podcast, you might want to do it before somebody else steals it. I'm somebody already considering. I'm already considering oh. stealing uh, uh, Bill Simmons' idea of somebody just watching highlights from the day before while eating breakfast. <laughs> I'd be oh. behind that. I just want to read like the overview for the NFL's draft profile for Nathan Peterman. Mm-hmm. Okay. A highly recruited passer coming out of Florida, Peterman signed with Tennessee to get a chance to play SEC football. Mm-hmm. He had feel snake bit in Knoxville, however, since he didn't make it through his first start as a redshirt freshman or sophomore. Yep. That's just a little aggressive. You, you know, you know what uh, coach he started with? Derek Dooley. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Peterman played for four games in 2013, but broke his hand in his first start and never regained that spot. Yep. Next yep. season, he was benched after two series in his only start and then was replaced by Joshua Dobbs, who, yep. funny enough, is now in Pittsburgh. The yep. <laughs> yep. And we're full circle. Yep. Oh, anyway. he was. So he was Pat Narduzzi's first. Uh, First quarterback. Uh, how do we how do we feel about Josh Dobbs being the uh, next quarterback of the Steelers? Is that a thing, or are they going to have to find somebody else? I'm, I'm I mean, still they'll... thinking they're taking Kirk Cousins, but yeah, you know. I was going to uh... say they're going to find somebody else. Oh come on, you like that? No, I don't. You, you like, like that, that better than Josh Dobbs being your first stringer? I would rather yeah. than pay Le'Veon Bell twenty million dollars a year and direct snap it to him every play. Seriously? <laughs> Straight wildcat. Really? Hey, let's bring back the wishbone. I- I'm all for it. You direct you snap to Le'Veon not. Bell. Sometimes you hand it off to James Conner, and sometimes you catch Mertavis Branton on a, a jet sweep. And then but you- won't that set up, like, the worst transition ever between, like, I mean, if you're going to have that person or... Get, uh, no, get Tyrod Taylor in that mix. Get, get him snapped. That's actually snap. not a, that's actually not a bad idea. Th- throw a yeah yeah turn it turn it into a fucking wishbone. Have Tyrod Taylor taking the snaps. They can you know option out of it, mm. fucking anything because you'll have Le'Veon Bell as your halfback. And then uh, I don't know who, how do you how do we get a fullback? <laughs> do fullbacks still still exist? Yeah, they have they have um, uh, <laughs> anywhere. God, I'm I'm Roosevelt Knicks. What? He's like one of the best fullbacks in the league. Okay, I think I'm going to go That's not really Craig. saying anything. Yeah, I know. I'm going to go. It's one of the best Craig positions that some teams don't even have. Yeah. What was that? Mo- most teams don't have. What I'm going to go on Craigslist and post an ad for a fullback. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get what you think you're going to get. Still searching. Oh, you guys have Roosevelt Knicks. Okay. That's what I just said. I get you. Now now I'm now I'm on uh, I'm on oh, all on board. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you guys uh you get Le'Veon as the running back or as the halfback, you get 
Roosevelt Nix is the fullback, and you got uh, Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback. You run 90% of the time, and the rest of them you just throw screens to uh, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, you got Martavis Bryant on the occasional deep shot, and you got Juju. No, you actually, you know what? What Juju does best. Sell Antonio Brown. You don't need him anymore in, in the wishbone. I Don't I'm get not. me wrong. I think he's a great player. But you, when, you're, when you're running a wishbone, you don't need an Antonio mm. Brown. You got plenty out of Juju. Here's the thing. I'm not selling Antonio Brown out of the just sheer chance that the wishbone doesn't work. <laughs> I can't see the wishbone failing at all. Nah, of course you can't. But that's because we're, your we're, idea we're of failure and success is completely opposite of... Hey, man, if you guys had Tyrod Taylor and you were running the wishbone, I would be a Steeler fan tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's only because Ben would be gone. Pretty much. <laughs> I've told you, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll support the Steelers as soon as you get rid of Big Ben. Until then, fuck them. Yeah, fair enough. But, uh, yeah, bring back the wishbone. Get, get Barry Switzer as your new head coach. Bring him back into the mix. You said Barry Switzer. For some reason, I was thinking Ryan Switzer, and I was like, that's a weird choice. (laughs) Fun fact, they are not related at all. But uh, They both love Swiss cheese? No, not at all what I was going to say. When they were trying to find out about uh, (laughs) if they are related, Ryan Switzer reached out to Barry Switzer, and now they're actually very close, and Barry gives him lots of good advice in his life. I guess. uh, guess. Because, I don't know. Not a bad friend to have. Yeah, because Barry Switzer's the fucking man. That's why. <laughs> I always say if I grew up in the 80s, I would absolutely be an Oklahoma fan. Hmm. And I'm kind of grandfathered in because Drunkle Rex is a big Oklahoma fan. Well, and we'll get more on him for that later. <laughs> yeah. I keep trying to get him out, but... Uh, I, I mean, know. I understand. It's, it's like at this point, he wouldn't have been getting home till after 11. Yeah. So. Well... Let's uh, let's cut it off right there, guys. Sounds good. It's gonna be a fun weekend of football. Fuck EA. Okay. Yeah. That's all. That's it's, all I got. It's in fact not in the game. It's in the ATM.